Hallelujah. Today, the title of my message will be entitled "God's Handiwork." There is a mortal man once lived on this earth who is now dead. He's called、uh, Winston Churchill. Who once said, "You know, he was、uh, coming to this great college, and great crowds of college students was waiting for him to preach or say." A, pro- a long, pronounced speech, because he was a well-known writer. So when he get up, he went over to the mic. This is what he said: Never, 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 never give up, and sit down. There was a well-known statement that he made, and it was recorded down. In history, there was a famous American general, General Douglas MacArthur. When he was retreating from the islands of Philippines, he told the Filipinos, "He says, 'I will return. I will return.'" And he fulfilled. He came back and took over the island which was once occupied by the Japanese. And spiritually speaking, God also made similar statements. The man Jesus, you know, he expressed the same feelings towards his church. He says that he will return. In the book of Revelation, the second last verse, he says, "Surely I come quickly." And also, the first statement that God Almighty, the Creator, made in this part of the universe was a very famous words that right now many preachers are used for sermons, and that words was, "Let there be light." And this words was powerful, recorded down in a book called the Holy Bible, and it still exists. In the pages of calendar history today, and it will continue to exist even in eternity in heaven. For in the book of Revelation, chapter twenty-one, verse twenty-three, it says, "There will be no more suns and moons, but the Lamb will be the light. Light will continue to exist in eternity." When you step out of this building. To go into the sun, you see the sunlight. Do you remember? God's words still come to pass. Let there be light, and there was light. It is a very powerful statement that will continue to exist. Amen. God's word is eternal. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise God. You know, when God spoke those words of Genesis chapter one verse three, He was looking at this part of the universe. You know that you know that there are many galaxies, but God is more concerned about this part of the Milky Way in this area of galaxy because man is living in this earth. So He was very concerned about this planet, this galaxy. And when He spoke these words, I believe this was ringing in His mind. He looked out there. And he make a challenge. He said, "Darkness, 
Don't try to live forever. You will not succeed. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. That is what God said. You know, God put light, the first thing, into this part of the universe. And God Himself, in a form of a man called Jesus, says in the book of John, chapter 12, verse 8, I am the light of the world. Jesus Himself is the light of the world. And God says, Let there be me, Jesus, light. Let there be me in this part of the universe. Let me be me the first thing in this universe. Light is the first thing that God brings forth into this universe. And darkness is the first thing that God dispels from this universe. Praise be unto God. Hallelujah. And God created the heavens and the earth, as written down in the book of Genesis chapter 1 verse 1. And it seems, according to Hebrew scholars, for the rest of the chapter, it was the, the work of God is more of a restoration in nature. Don't ask me why. But it's a restoration in nature. And that's why when Moses recorded Genesis, he also recorded down in Exodus, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 11, it says, And the Lord God made, not created, the Lord God made the heavens and the earth in six days. This actually represents a principle. Because in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 8, it says, you know, one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. Right now, since the fall of Lucifer, God came back and restored the earth in six days because of sin. And after the heavens and the earth was restored, Adam fell. And God had to do a restoration work again. And right now, it's almost 6,000 years, symbolizing six days. It's working to restore. We are in the move of restoration. Alright? God is restoring the earth. Alright? And it's almost 6,000 years. God has almost ended His restoration. And when the restoration is ended, God will say, and behold, it was very good. God is going to restore it back to His most beautiful state that you can, and I can ever imagine. God is going to restore back all that was lost through Adam's fall. Amen? God is restoring revelation into the body of Christ about the authority of the believer in the name of Jesus. And God is going to do restoration. That's why it was prophesied in Acts chapter 3. There will be times of restoration until Jesus Christ comes. So it's a principle to be learned there. And today, we're going to declare to all of you here, to this pulpit, that God is the creator of the heavens and the earth, and God created you and me. Not only that, I'm going to say that, but God is also a scientific God. He understands science. He's all wisdom. All scientific ideas, all genuine scientific ideas came from God Almighty. All came from God. So science is actually ideas which was actually received from God Almighty, which dropped into the hearts of men. And God is a 
scientific God. And this Bible is a scientific Bible, a very practical Bible applicable to science, to modern living. Today we're going to talk about that today. Alright? And how this Bible, alright, was so powerful that even science, now when I talk about science, I'm talking about the true branch of true branch of scientific information in this field and the law of physics agree with the Bible. So that you can probably say that the word of God is truth. Nothing but the truth. Amen. Today we're going to talk about that. But before that, before we talk about science, there's one branch of science that I need to enlighten you. And that is the field of evolution. The field of evolution is not a true branch of scientific inquiry. It is not truthful. Okay, keep that in your heart. Evolution is not truthful because it speculates, it guesses, it's based on man's assumption. They say, are you sure? Just to quote you a few examples. You know, in the past, an English salesman by the name of Harold Cook, all right, he found a bone and he bring back to England. You know, and he showed the rest of the people, he said, I found a very ancient primitive bone. And man start to, uh, through urgent and zealous research, and they come up with an idea, speculation, that this must be a very primitive man. Wow, it's an ancient scientific discovery. Wow, they get excited. And later they named this bone called the Nebraska man who lived a million years ago. And then later he was supported by a well-known paleontologist, Dr. Fairchild Osborne, who made a statement in April 27, 1927 in Philadelphia. He says, yes, this is true. It's true. It's called the Nebraska man who lived a million years ago. But once Dr. Fairchild Osborne died, this mortal, right, Fragile man died. Later man found that this is nothing more than a tooth of an extinct pig. Oink, oink. <laughs> See how man? Right? The failures of man. In 1926, in another part of the con- continent, they found another bone. And this time, man again, itchy. Okay? And say, wow, this bone claimed to be 250,000 years ago. But through modern uh, equipment, they found that it's nothing more than a bone of an extinct elephant. Alright? And then in Australia, they found another bone called, they call it, you know, I like to give cute, cute name, you know, they call it Kilo Skull near Melbourne. Alright? Claimed to be 150,000 years ago. Wow, again, okay, you know, man try to do a lot of funny, funny little things. And then later, it was discovered, they said, no, 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 it's not 150 years old. It's only 8,500 years old. You see how, how men, you know, frequent-minded, you know, they don't have knowledge, they just speculate. For example, this well-known thing you all know, the glacier age, the age of the ice, you know, when, when the whole earth was frozen, they say the glacier age was predicted, predicted only, you know, to be 850,000 years ago. And then after the, the president of the society, after made a statement, he died, a new president take over. He said, no, 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 it's 200,000 years ago. Then after he died, a young man take over. He said, it's only 30,000 years old. Then a new fella came over, it's 10,000 years old. And recently, they say, it's 
7,000 years old. What next? You see? Can this be a reliable source of truth? No. No. Evolution is nothing more than a lie. Alright? Nothing more than a lie. And God must be looking at down at this earth and say, these funny creatures, funny creatures making, you know, absurd claims and mass exaggeration and speculation. If you want to speculate, go to the stock market, speculate, don't speculate this, you know. Speculate long thing, but not you. Uh. Alright, we are the new creation. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Reason being, why evolution is not truthful? Because evolution is a direct contradiction of the Word of God. For the Word of God is the only true reliable source of truth. If you want to find the truth, go to the Bible. Don't go to man. When a scientist lives today, he dies tomorrow. But the Word of God is everlasting. Everlasting! You can trust. You can bank all your hope on it. So don't bank your hope on man. He lived one day, he died tomorrow, he don't know what's the news. Alright? So don't. But, however, no evolution is not true. However, by the grace of God, man was given a privilege to have a glimpse, just a tiny glimpse, of the work of creation. Almost just a little glimpse, but they don't have the whole truth. They saw something, but they don't know what is it. Alright, what is it? For example, man claimed, alright, man claimed that dinosaur living in the seas, alright, living in the seas, and then through time, through evolution, ah, don't believe in evolution, ah, evolution, they, bec- they, they become, they walk onto the land and become a land creature. That's what they say. That's another one that they, they speculate. They say, recently I watched a, a documentary on snakes, you know, they, they, they call the documentary Survival. You heard about it recently? Survival. So this uh, commenter was actually a Christian. He quote Adam and Eve, Satan, Genesis, you know, he's a Christian. Alright? And he made a very interesting statement. You know? And um, he's, uh, he was talking about it. And after that, he says, snakes was actually through evolution from another creature called lizard. About 130,000 years ago. Which you and I know, evolution cannot be trusted. So it's not true. But, they guess. They guess. Alright? Why? They say because snakes used to walk, they say. And it's true, no? But it's not from lizard. They don't have the real source of information. You know? They anyhow hum tam, alright? Because why? Yes, they do walk. The Bible says in the past they do walk. They walk to Adam and Eve. They talk to Adam and Eve. But because he can't deceive Adam and Eve, God said, from now on you don't walk, you crawl on the ground on your belly. Remember? That's why the Bible is very scientific. That's why if you take a snake right now, you find that there, at the pelvic bone region, you find crawl. They say actually, previously it was a lick. It will now become a crawl because it's not useful anymore. Because he crawl on the ground, so they have, missed, they have not used it. So he has not uh, developed. So it becomes just a crawl. So we know that actually snakes walk in the past. And Bible is always true. Anything men say have to agree to the Bible. If not, it's not truthful. Alright? Praise God for it. Okay, praise God for this pulpit. Alright? We use it for a parking space for my Bible. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hallelujah. So, the reason why science is mentioned today, I want you to understand that it's very applicable to modern men. Alright? Alright? 
every genuine scientific idea is from God. Not all scientific ideas from God, but every genuine that te- idea that tells you with the word of God is from God. And science, I'm just starting my message, huh? so, you know. Science was expressed in five terms. Science says, express the universe in five major terms. Science expressed this universe in five major terms. They call it space, time, matter, motion, and power. And this is the truth, because Bible agrees with it. Because why? In Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it says, In the beginning, how about time? God created the heavens, space, and the earth, matter. The Spirit of God, power, move upon the face of the earth, motion. So the Bible is very scientific. Amen? It's very scientific. Now, according to a Christian scientist, in fact, he's a Jew, no? And he's very well known. If I mention his name, you'll know. Albert Einstein. Right? He discovered the law of relativity. Actually, it's not from him, it's from God. But because he's a Christian, God gave it to him. Amen? In fact, most of the scientists are Christian. Either they are Christian or they are Jew. That's why they are able to receive real revelation about scientific ideas. Because God gave it to His children. Alright? And they discovered that through this law, light travel at a constant velocity of 186,000 miles per second. And they discovered that if you can go beyond this speed, time will no longer in existence. And this is very, very true. Because why? This, this realm that beyond the speed of light, it's actually referring to the realm of the spirit world. That's why God is called the Alpha and the Omega. Because in the realm of spirit is eternity. No time is mentioned. Time is only given for mankind. If you live in the realm of spirit, it's always eternity. So that's why God is the Alpha and the Omega. Alright? It's very scientific. God is very scientific. The Bible is very scientific. For example, modern day, if you study physics, when they experiment about light, they will use filter to do certain experiments. If all you study physics, you all know, right? Use filter, remember? Alright? And God also has a filter. It's 40 miles up into the atmosphere. It's called the ozone layer. And this filter, God created it, a natural filter, to filter what? The ultraviolet ray and the gamma ray from hurting mankind. You see, God is very scientific. And God is the first person before science ever discovered that the earth is round. God has spoken through the prophet Isaiah in chapter 40 verse 22 that the earth is round. Right? Man make the first mistake. Man say, the earth is flat. You see, God is always true. The Bible is always true. Amen? Praise God. All visible things on this earth demands the acknowledgement of God as the almighty creator. I'd like to show you one verse. Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, verse 20. I'm quoting from the Amplified Version. For ever since the creation of the world, His invisible nature, God's invisible nature, and attribute, what is attribute? That is, His eternal power and divinity have 
being made intelligible and clearly discernible in and through the things that have been made his handy works. So men are without excuse altogether, without any defense or justification. Verse 25. Because they exchange the truth of God for a lie and worship and serve the creature rather than the Creator who is blessed forever. Amen. So be it. You see? God is saying in Romans 1, if you want to see God, you can actually look at nature, you can look at the things around. Things around reflect the intelligent, the all-wise Creator who made everything around you. And if you can't see it, God is saying, you will be actually like these people, worshipping and serving a creature rather than the Creator. So today, God is giving you light to know that God is the Creator, not man. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. And all things exist in this whole planet. Scientists, some scientists who are who is not Christian, they say, this all came by accident, by explosion, and this came and that, you know. They speculate again, you know. But we know that's not true. Nothing exists in this whole planet by accident or coincidence. Give an example. You know, when in the book of Job, chapter 26, verse 7, it says, And God stretched forth His hand and hanged the earth in the air. God is the first person to reveal to mankind. In fact, if, if, man, uh, want to be a, if man want to be a great scientist, uh, actually all you need to do uh, is just go to the Bible and study the Bible. They will receive a lot of scientific truth. They will be the great scientists who discover truth. But they all like to go through works, not to grace them. Very given. What a waste. So, God hanged the whole universe, uh, the earth in the air and He stayed there in the space. This whole mass weight of the earth is actually 6,000 trillion tons. It's very heavy, yet it's suspended by accident. It can hang there by accident? I don't think so. Not only hang there, God put it in a position whereby it is exactly 66 and a half degrees on the axis to go around the sun, making a circuit around the sun in one year, completing it in 600, 600 million miles. It was so placed so exactly that when the sun's ray hit, he re- hit exactly at 23 and a half degrees tilted, so that it creates four seasons for us. Summer, winter, autumn, spring. Four seasons. God exactly do it. How did God do it? God spoke it in Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. And seed time and harvest time, cold, hot, winter and summer will remain. See, God spoke it into existence. So it's not by accident. Alright? Outside, yeah, there's a lot of accident, but not here. Hallelujah. And this whole... This Planet Sun, uh, planet uh, Earth is exactly, not more, more, not less, but exactly 93,000 miles, million miles away from us. Why? Because if it's too near, the Sun will be burned up. It's too far, like Mars, it gets frozen and no life exists. So God placed it exactly at the spot whereby it's just nice. God adjusts the thermostat. Mm, just nice for you and me. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. And do you know that when God created this whole earth, the whole mass, this whole earth, 
God created exactly the same width, the same depth of the crust of the earth. I mean the ground. He created exactly the same inch. In fact, it's like scientists say, if it's a bit, a few more inch thicker, the crust of the earth, a few inch more thicker, no oxygen will be around on this earth. You see? It's not by accident. It's not by accident. Just to prove to you, uh, God is always giving us first-hand knowledge and science comes later. Alright? Come, comes later. How? Because scientists say, if you're going to wipe out the whole mountains around the world and flatten it to become a land, the sea can cover the whole landmass to one and a half mile deep. And that is true because if you look at Genesis chapter 1, let's look at Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1, verse 9. Verse 2, already he says, the water was covered the whole earth. That was in verse 2. In verse 9, God said, let the water under the heaven be gathered together unto one place and let the dry land appear. You see? It's only when God says, okay, water separated so the land rise. So all these mountains are the works of God. You see? But if you still flatter it, it will still come under the sea. Why? God's word is true. Hallelujah. God's word is always true. Amen? Praise God. Hallelujah. And today, we're also going to talk about light. Science. Science always deal with light. So we also talk a bit about light. Alright. Why light, brother? Why light? Because there are many terms in the Bible. As I, I, I read through the Bible, how come God always say straight path? Straight. Always say straight. If you don't understand why God say the word straight path, the word term straight, uh, you must understand light. Because God created light. So there's some truth in it that if we can understand light, we are able to appreciate the Bible more. So that's why today I'm helping you to appreciate the Bible more. That's why I'm going to talk about light today. Alright? Now first of all, let me, right from the very start, let me tell you about this light. It's different from the light of the sun, which is glaring, hurting to the eyes, naked eyes. If you look up, it's hurting to the naked eyes. If you look too long, you get a cataract and you may be blind. But this this light from God is a bit beautiful. Alright? It's not to hurt mankind. Do you remember that when John spoke about Jesus in John chapter 12 verse 8, he says, I am the light of the world when Jesus proclaimed that. Do you still recall? Do you remember when he actually said that word? It was exactly after the incident of a woman who caught in the adultery. Says, let anyone, there's no sin, cast the first stone on that adulterous woman. And no one did. And he says, Lady, I condemn you no more. Go and sin no more. That is the light that Jesus Christ gave to that woman. He's not here to condemn. And immediately after that verse, he says, I am the light of the world. You see? The nature of the light is to reveal something, but it's not to condemn. That's one thing you must remember. Remember when, when Saul, Tartus, the murderer, who witnessed the murder of Stephen, killed many Christians. Alright? And what happened? You find that he was walking on the, on, on the road of Damascus, and then a great light came upon him. That great light didn't kill him. That great light didn't condemn him. You notice the phrase, how Jesus says, I am Jesus whom you persecute. 
Jesus just revealed. Light is just to reveal something. Light is to reveal revelation. It's not to condemn. He says, I am Jesus who will be persecuted. Don't come against me. Go to the city and somebody will come to you. Just go to the city right now. He didn't say, Saul, how dare you persecute my people. You commit the first crime. Thou shalt not kill. So now I will struck you dead. No. See how God loving? Light is to reveal, to produce revelation, not to condemn. That's the first thing that you must remember. Light is revelational in nature. That is very, very important that you must know. Alright? Okay, we can go on now. Our planetary sun is the greatest example of light. Alright? The sun is the greatest source of energy and light. The sun is the source of all life on this earth. Without light, no life can exist. That's why there's no nothing exists on Mars. And God ordained. The greater light and the lesser light, He says, give light on the earth. God ordained it. Without light, we cannot survive. No photosynthesis and so on. Alright? And light, light is the source of life to us. No life, no light, no life to plant. The whole atmosphere is cold, frozen, you die. No life exists. So light is the source of life. And God is the source of light. Let me talk to you about the sun. A beautiful creation that God created. It's very beautiful. The healing evangelist, Benihin, says, the sun can be used to describe the Godhead. God the Son, you know, God the Father is the Son. The light is God the Son. God the Father is the Son. The light is God the Son. And the warmth and the heat is God the Holy Spirit. When you feel the sunlight, if you warm, and you feel that the sun is very far away, it's just a small, tiny, circular planet. But actually, before I say that statement, you are just one tiny speck of sand on this earth. Am I right? And this sun is 1,300,000 times larger than the earth. So how small are you? Very small. What does it reply? When you see God, you feel God answer your prayer sometimes. You feel God is around, but you still feel that God is not adequate to meet your supply. But if God opens your eyes, it's like a sun. God says, I am 1,300,000 times larger than you. That's why in the book of Job it says, the whole earth is in his hand. You see how big our God is? God is saying, I am big, I am a big God, you serve a big God today, whatever you need to have, you can approach Him and He can answer you. Amen? Amen? Praise God. And we receive the sunlight, Whoa, that's a beautiful suntan we receive sometimes, right? The sunlight, some receive moon tan, but we receive suntan, alright? And then, we receive the suntan. Do you know that the light that we receive was actually given off by the sun millions of years ago? Thousands of years ago, they give off thousands of years ago. Only now we receive on this earth. If you study science, you know what does it tells us? It tells us God the Son give us things, but we receive it two thousand years ago, late two thousand years later. God really give forth the light, give forth His redemptive work two thousand years ago. Now that we receive it, just like the sunlight. Amen. Without the sun, the earth cannot exist. Without the sun, 
Alright? Anything that turns away from the sun, no life exists. If the earth says, no, today I'm, I, I'm stubborn. I don't want to give all the glory to the sun. Today, I want to move out of the orbit. The earth will die. You know, no life will exist. Alright? So likewise, if God is like a sun, and you move away from the sun, alright, you will not survive. Because God pictured Him as the sun. In Psalms 84 verse 11, For the Lord God is a sun and a shield. He gave grace and glory. No good thing will He withdraw from those who walk uprightly. God is saying, if you treat me, move towards the sun, I will give good things to you. But you move away, I can't, you can't receive from me. That's what God is saying today to you. Hallelujah. Beautiful. Hallelujah. Can you imagine? Can you imagine right now if we switch off all these lights here? The whole room will be in darkness. Am I, am I right to say? Darkness, right? So, if it's in darkness, can you say, let's say we have a window here. We will open all the windows. Can the wind come in and blow and blow the darkness away? Can it be done? Cannot, right? Can I use a sweep broom? Huh? I sweep away the darkness away. Can I? Cannot, right? Only light can deal with darkness. Only light can solve darkness. And Jesus is the light of the world. Amen? Jesus is the light of the world. And that's why he portrays his coming in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 8. He says, in the brightness of his coming, God's ultimate light is going to come back onto this earth to deal with the last remnant of darkness. God's going to wipe every single darkness out. The great light is coming. Hallelujah. We can rejoice. Light is revelational in nature. If I read to you from the New English Bible, it says this, For the same God who said, Out of darkness, let light shine, has caused His light to shine within us, to give the light of revelation. The revelation of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. Light Bring forth revelation knowledge to us. Hallelujah. Thank God for the light. As long as sun is still around, you can be assured that every day you can receive manna, you can receive revelation knowledge from God. Hallelujah. And the verse in 1 John chapter 1 verse 5 still agree with what Moses written down in the book of Genesis 2,500 years ago. And that's what he said. Here is the message we heard from him and pass on to you that God is light. Hallelujah. God is light. Alright? Now, we're going to understand right now why Bible always uses the term straight path, straight, and so on. The word straight. We're going to understand the Bible term right. Okay, right now is this. First of all, light travel in a straight line. Alright? If you study physics, you know. Light travel in a straight line. I asked some of the, those students here who study physics, what's the term? No one can answer me. <laughs> and one of them scored very high also in physics. Light travel in a straight line. Actually, the physics term for it is rectilinear propagation. Right? Now you know, right? Chim, chim. Hey. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. Alright? Light travel in a straight line. Why is that so? That light travel in a straight line. Don't, you don't believe me? Listen to the, the book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verse 3. The book of Isaiah, chapter 40, verse 3. Light travel in a straight line. Hallelujah. Isaiah chapter 40 verse 3. Hallelujah. You found Isaiah chapter 40 verse 3? 
Esaya. Okay, Esaya. Esaya. Okay, chapter 40, verse 3. The voice of him that cried in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be made low, and the crooked shall be made straight, and the rough places plain. The word straight. Matthew repeat the same verse in chapter 3, verse 1 to verse 3. It's summarized in this way. Don't look at it. He's, he's saying this. Tell my people, God Almighty is saying, tell my people that before my son appear, that there must be a straight level path for my son to walk on. God walk in straight path. God never walk in crooked path. Amen? That is why now we understand. I, I realize why God said, do not turn to your left, nor turn to your right. In the past, I don't understand why. Don't turn to your left, don't turn to your right, walk straight. Because light travel in a straight line. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you understand the law of light, you understand the Bible, and you can appreciate it more. That's why wickedness is symbolized by, by, the, by the creature called snake. Because snake crawl and he don't travel in a straight line. They curve crooked ways. Amen? That's why when wickedness is found in a nation, Philippians chapter 2 verse 5 says, it's a crooked and perverse nation. Crooked and perverse nation. Repentance is the straightening out of our life. So that the light of Jesus would be able to shine into our hearts. For all those people who turn from the crooked, crooked, crooked and perverse way, receive light. I'll say cricket actually. <laughs> Alright? Light travel in a straight line. And you must travel on that straight path. That's what God is saying. Light composed of seven colors. Alright, physics calls it the color pattern or spectrum. It consists of red, orange, yellow, green, blue, indigo, and violet. Well, all you study science now. Huh? <laughs> science class. <laughs> it consists of seven colors. And God spoke to me. He says, the rainbow consists of seven colors. It is a bowl of seven colors. And this is what God is saying. When you see the rainbow, you are seeing my light. And that light testifies to you that I will not flood the earth again. Light symbolizes the covenant of God. Hallelujah. Praise the name of Jesus. You know, like uh, there's some great scientist by the name of Isaac Newton. He invented a color this. This color this. A circle, just a plain color disc. Oh, you study physics, you know. Color this, made of seven colors. If you rotate at a high speed, these seven colors will become a grayish white color. White. White color. What does it mean? You see, revelation knowledge travels at a very high speed, faster than the speed of light. Because revelation knowledge is from God, God will live in eternity in the realm of the Spirit. That's why when he saw the great white light, Daniel saw, John saw, it's a great white light, they are receiving revelation. We are receiving from something from the realm of the Spirit which is faster than the speed of light. There's something for you, huh? a tip. Okay, praise God. Light is actually a form of energy. It's a carrier of the energy. Alright? It's a carrier of the energy. That is why when light is intensified like a laser, it can cut the diamond into two pieces. The hardest material on this earth. That's how powerful light is. That's why light can cut into all kinds of darkness. The entrance of thy word gives light. 
it will cut into everything that has hold you in bondage. God's going to cut it apart. Hallelujah. You know, uh, if you study science, uh, physics, it says that light is formed when the electrons, electrons move uh, from one plane to another plane, which is from a higher ramp to a lower ramp. If you put it in simple spiritual term and understanding, it's saying the light is revelation knowledge. It's birthed forth, given into your heart. It's a portion of God Almighty from heaven, from eternity, down to earth, which in the lower realm. That's what God is trying to say. That's revelation knowledge. Alright? But do remember, when you receive God, uh, revelation knowledge, you must have this attitude. In Psalms 138, verse 6, it says this, Though the Lord is high, yet He has respect unto the lowly, but the proud He knows afar off. Pride will cut you off from revelation knowledge. You must be humble. Lower yourself. Then, then it will come to pass. The law of light will come to pass in your life. Now you notice, uh, when light leaves the source, which is from the sun, it travels in a straight line. But when it came into the atmospheric condition of the earth, and also through our visual perception, it becomes altered, bent. Amen? So light can bend, depending on how you receive it. That is why 1 John 4 says, there are every kind of religion in the world, you must test the light. Some light, some truth is not from God. That's why those occult, they receive light, receive it, some knowledge, but it's not from God. It's a bent light. Because light only comes in a straight line. If a light is not straight, you receive something that is outside. It's not from God. It's from the devil. So God said, test every voice, test every light, every knowledge that you receive. And also scientists say that when a rough surface, when you have a rough surface, if a shine, shine a torch light, or, or the sun shine on the rough surface, that surface can either absorb every light, or it can repel every light. Or reflect every light. That shows what? It shows this. You and I, it's like a rough surface. When we come to Jesus Christ, we are rough. We have many sin in our life. And many people can either absorb the light, receive Jesus Christ, or many people can repel the light. That's why John chapter 3 says what? If you receive, you have eternal life. If you repel the light, you are condemned. Alright? God gives you a choice. You can either absorb like a sponge or you can reject that's up to you and also light uh, you find it's very interesting no? how we can discover more and more alright light is reflected you see when it's reflected on the surface alright on a highly polished surface the, the greatest amount of light is reflected on a highly polished surface okay that's what they discover if it's very uh, shiny the light can reflect the greatest amount right that's why if you found in Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2, he says this, no? He says, He has made my mouth like a sharp sword in the shadow of his hand as he hide me and made me a polished sharp, a spear. Alright? And um, God is saying to you today, if you have any, any rough surface, rough surface, any sin, any natural self-life, God said, I'm going to polish it. Only if you allow my hand to polish it, if only you allow me to chasten you, then will you be able to shine as the light of the world. 
only can then can you be an effective witness of that great light. God said, I need to polish your life. I need to polish your life. If I can't polish your life, you can't be a great witness. You can't reflect that light that I'm going to give into your heart. That's what God is trying to say there. Alright. And if you receive that light and you shine forth more than the rest here, then be humble. Because, I just quote to you, a great man of God, William Law, is a man of the Spirit. He says this, For the creature can offer or return nothing to God, but that which it has first received from Him. Can anything reflect light before He received light? No. So it's all the work of grace. That's why it's not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of God. Alright? Light requires no medium. You know, it requires nothing to carry light. Light just flow. If you don't, don't use anything to obstruct it, it will flow in a straight path. It requires no container, no vessel to, to carry the waves of light. It just flows. You don't need any help. Light just flow. And God is saying to you today, eh, is that God does not need your human effort. God does not need you to help the flow of the light. The, the light just flow. Don't obstruct the light. In fact, scientists say, matter can hinder the passage of light. Matter can. And God is saying, your unrenewed mind, your human effort, can actually hinder the light from operating and manifesting the full force of the power of God as the light of this world. So God is saying, don't hinder, lay aside, die to self. That's what God is saying. And if you are talking about die to self, there are actually three kinds of objects. We can learn an uh, uh, example of a three kind of track. Now, the first kind of track, if you study uh, physics, is this. It's called opaque. That means, when you shine on this object, no light will be flow through. No light, not even a single trace of light will flow through. It's talk about, if there's a person who's full of unbelief, full of self, God cannot use him. No light can flow through. Now, there's another object. It calls the transparent object who is honest with God, who lead a godly life, who fear God, who walk in holiness, God says, my light is like transparent, can flow through like glass of water. That is the person that God will use mightily. That is the person that God will heavily anoint. That is the person that God will heavily prosper. But there's another kind of object, which is very common, very, very common, and that is called translucion. And what is it? When the light shines on this object, some light goes through. It's still emits some light, but not all light. It's talk about a lukewarm Christian. A lukewarm Christian who has not given up many sins in their life is still able to bring forth a little of the light, but not all. And God today says, I challenge you to be that transparent object. I challenge you to let my hand come upon your life, to polish you up, to be a great vessel, to reflect my light. God is giving you a challenge today. And God says, I will heavily reward you. In fact, when uh, Paul was preaching to a crowd of people in Acts 26, he said, turn away from all those darkness and go towards the light. And God is asking you to go towards the light. Before I close, I will read to you one passage. Okay, it's in the Amplified Version. It's in Luke chapter 1, verse 78 and 79. Okay, let's turn to it. Luke chapter 1, verse 78 and 79. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 1, verse 78 and 79. 
Okay, verse 78 is this. Luke. Okay, but don't be a lukewarm person, but Luke. Okay, not turn to Luke. Luke chapter 1, verse 78 and 79. Okay, 78, it, it goes like this. I read from the Amplifier. Because of and through the heart of tender mercy and the loving kindness of our God, a light from on high will dawn upon us and visit us. That light that came down to you and me is actually from a source. And that is from a pure source of tender, a heart of tender mercy and loving kindness. That light does not condemn. That light Bring love to mankind. That light bring mercy to mankind. Look at verse 79. To shine upon and give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. Now, Amplified goes like this. To direct and guide our feet in a straight line into the way of peace. God say, this is what you should do. God want to use the light. The entrance of thy word gives us light. To direct and guide our feet into a straight line, into the way of peace. Have you want, anyone want peace today? Who cherish peace? Then God says, my light, my word, will direct you into that straight line towards the path, the way of peace. Praise God. Shall we close our eyes? Hallelujah.